attention. There was. I'm paying so much attention. You should be nervous. So. Welcome to the Pioneer Theatre Podcast. I'm Matthew Ivan Bennett. The romantic, futurist new play, I, is about to premiere at our theatre. I don't want to spoil it for you, so instead of interviewing playwright Jeff Talbot about the play, I sat down to talk sci-fi in general and its growing place in the theatre. I opens Friday, February 16th and runs through Saturday, March 3rd. But here's me and Jeff Talbot talking sci-fi. Is this hard or soft science fiction? I think it's soft science fiction. Hard science fiction to me is robots and laser beams, and I talk about this in the blog. I'm writing a blog if anybody wants to follow along on the website. Um, when I think of hard science fiction, I think of you know Star Trek and Star Wars and, and Jedis. And soft science fiction to me falls more in the category of speculative science fiction, which I think this definitely falls under the umbrella of. That's fair, but the technology... And the idea, there's a possibility, right? That's right. Because it's based on actual, I mean, I think the best science fiction, especially hard science fiction under your definition, the best hard science fiction is based on technology that is existing or starting to exist. And that's definitely true of the technology that launches the plot of this play and then kind of recedes into the background as a mystery as to what that technology is. But no time travel, no robots. No time travel, no robots yet. Not as not as of this draft. So closer to Black Mirror than yes. Star Trek. Yeah, I think Black Mirror is a great touch touch point for this. I think so too. Okay. <laughs> uh, speaking of uh, Black Mirror yes. influences, what are your biggest sci-fi influences? Be them books, movies, plays. I mean, I was a sci-fi boy from from right away. Like Ray, Ray Bradbury, um, uh, Stranger in a Strange Land was one of my favorite books when I was growing up. The Wrinkle in Time, which I think falls under science fiction, definitely, although it's now would probably be YA. When I was a kid, that was science fiction. Um, but I read all of Ray, Ray Bradbury, Arthur C. Clarke, all of those things. Uh, my mother loved Star Trek, and we would watch Star Trek together. I, I think I have softened in my sci-fi uh, consumption habits as I've gotten older or as my, or as my consumption habits have widened. But certainly until my early 20s, sci-fi and fantasy were the main things that I would read or consume. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Me too. Uh, lately, Altered Carbon. I'm into the wind-up girl. I want to read, reread The Left Hand of Darkness. After oh, Ursula so good. Caleb I Wayne know, passed. and I was so sad that she passed. Yeah. I have a quote here from Ray Bradbury. Science fiction is any idea that occurs in the head and doesn't exist yet, but soon will and will change everything for everybody, and nothing will ever be the same again. So I think your play fits that perfectly. Agreed. <clears throat> I think, But I don't want to spoil it by saying what the idea is. So I just want to ask you how that definition lands on you dramaturgically. Yeah, it's a, it's a topic of some conversation in the play. In early drafts, it was a topic of a lot of conversation in the play. Um, but there still is a line in the play... Late in the play, once we really start talking about what has happened, um, one of the characters says, just because we can do it to a mouse doesn't mean we should do it to a person, which I think is, I mean, whether whichever side of the answer to that question you fall, it's definitely a question that this play pops up in the air because once the full scope of what has happened to this woman is revealed, 
the play asks you after the play is over to go and and talk amongst yourselves as to whether or not that is a good thing to do. Like if science were to come up with a cure for, I don't know, let's speak personally for me, baldness, is that a, I think that seems like a really great thing to do with technology. But if it came at some greater cost, like is it great to cure baldness if you lose use of your legs or something like that? And I bet that I bet there are guys, I'm not one of them, but I bet there are guys who would be like, yeah, you know what? If I had my full head of hair but was in a wheelchair, okay. You or know, it I think, overcorrects it and you have to shave your face every day. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or you become like a, a Sasquatch or, yes, exactly. <laughs> now that I might, I might consider. Across yeah. your forehead. That's right. Right. So a lot of softer science fiction has the idea or the sci-fi element as a sub-element. And that's true with this. Yes. So talk about that well, and I, what the primary element Yeah, is. I think the primary element of, of the writing and certainly the thing that I think I, think I had a, an idea about technology that I thought might be a springboard. But once I started to write, it became clear that what I wanted to write was a love story. And that's what the play is. It's, it, I, when I first started writing, I thought it would be a two-character play. It ended up being a four-character play. Um, but I really wanted to write about two people who were stumbling their way towards each other and use, and, and use this science fiction idea or this technology idea as a way to bolster their love story and inform it. Um, so so sci-fi is definitely, I think, the, se- the secondary influencer because love stories are, are more universal in a way and appeal to a wider audience and a sci-fi audience is a closer audience. But... But both are both are in play on a in a scene by scene basis in the play, and and just when you think that you're just settling into a love story vibe, I make sure to inject something to remind you that something has happened here, and you don't know what it is, and it has to do with technology, it has to do with medical advancement, and what has happened to this woman, and why is she feeling the things she's feeling? Was there anything specifically that made you want to try science fiction for the stage at this time? Was it seeing another play that inspired you, a movie? I, you know, I may, maybe in the background when I, when I started to write it, I had just seen Jordan Harrison's Marjorie Prime, mm-hmm. which is a really wonderful play that was made into uh, a movie this last year. Um, although, although it's hard to say, I mean, you know, as a writer, it's kind of hard to say what really, what really is influencing you. But I had seen that play within a year of starting to write this, and it certainly gave me courage to know that you could that you could write speculative fiction, write write a play that exists in a speculative future time and still deal with people, still talk about what it is to to grope blindly on the path of humanity, which is what we do, with the, with the science as a background, even, even if it is a major part of the engine of the plot. So that, that play was on my mind. Another piece of entertainment that was that was really influential to me in the last I guess five or six years was the movie Her Spike Jones's movie Her, oh, yeah, um, yes. which is I think a spectacular piece of science fiction mm-hmm. because it, it it is dealing with all sorts of with this big cutting edge piece of technology, but it's a meditation on loneliness and and and, and also a slightly satirical look at how we are. And that movie is is it like five? It's probably five, six, seven years old, but that movie is constantly de- dealing with the fact that people are never looking up from their devices. And that seemed just at the beginning of us noti- noticing that. And that Patient. is... Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, because that is so much more true now. So thing, uh, stories like that were definitely on my mind when I started to write this. Is there an image from a sci-fi piece that's always 
stuck with you. For me, it's it's a shot from E.T., the extraterrestrial. Oh, yes. And it's that scene where E.T. goes missing and Elliot's riding his bike looking for him. And right. And E.T.'s face down in the creek, pale, white, and sick. Do you yes, remember yeah, that Yeah, totally. Scene? It was so traumatizing to me as yes. a kid. And for me, that sums it up because they're given this gift, right? right. And they screw it up. Yes. And, um, is there an image like that for you? Yeah, I don't know. It's interesting you would bring up E.T. because... Uh, I don't. I now that you say it, of course it's a science fiction movie. But because the love, the love story, the friendship story between E.T. and Elliot is so strong, I think of it as the, as the story of a young boy finding a friend. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is apropos of what we've been talking about the, that ability to use sci-fi as a springboard, but have the human story be the thing that's up front. Um, I don't know. I mean, I thought about this question. There are so many images from sci-fi that stick with me or with us that are that are culturally universal um like the apes at the beginning of 2001 or mm-hmm. or the loneliness of that that astronaut's face when he's trying to talk to the computer um you know star wars was huge for me um but the images from star wars that stick with me are are things like um uh, Luke, Luke reaching for his father, or letting his father cut off his hand. Spoiler: Darth Vader is Luke's father. <laughs> um, you know the images that usually stick with me are the are the are the human images. I mean, even early things like Logan's Run, uh, which is you know, I mean, I don't need to date myself, but that's a movie from the seventies. It's a crazy kind of campy science fiction movie, but there are so many. But there are so many human images from that movie because that movie is just a chase movie. It just happens to take place in the future. Or Planet of the Apes. Right. Um, you know, it's about apes, but really they're mimicking human, human society. So a lot of the images from those movies are, are the human moments or the moment when Charlton Heston finds the Statue of Liberty. Once again, spoiler, but Planet of the Apes is us. Um, well, I'm glad that sci-fi and futurism is making its way into theater. It, it seems to have been happening over the last five years or so there was yeah. a point at which literary managers looked at it as genre right you now and those walls seem to be coming down and i think it's not the result of anything that's happened in theater but i think it's the wider yeah the theater culture. audience yeah and also the audience is more ready to take it in although you know i R U R is a play from mm-hmm. the tw- 20s i mean yeah it's it's not like people and the origin of the term robot. Actually. That's right. That's yeah. exactly right. And mm. and and it's not like theater writers haven't tried to delve into this or haven't been delving into this since the well, not since since modern theater certainly began, like 20th century theater. Um, but it isn't the mainstream, but also science fiction isn't the mainstream of of all entertainment. It's always been an offshoot, an interesting offshoot that has really ardent followers, but the people who really latch on to it as writers who are able to engage a larger audience are the ones who are able to engage science fiction to help inform a human story. Yeah. And maybe it's that technology is affecting us so much more on on a minute-to-minute basis. Second-to-second basis, right? Second-to-second basis than before, and that's why so many people are focusing on it. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I agree. Well, Jeff Talbot, thank you for doing this. Thanks, Matt. Thank you for listening to the Pioneer Theater Podcast for I... For tickets, call 801-581-6961 or visit our website, pioneertheater.org. The production is being sponsored by the Pioneer Theater Guild and the Byerly Endowment. <laughs>
If you have any questions or comments, please email us at marketing at pioneertheater.org.